bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting with an Oregon lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. Oh, what is up? Love that intro. Oh, man, that gets me fired up there, Judah. Man, straight fire with that. Welcome in episode two, Bet the Game. Judah Newby, Zach Schlegels, powered by 750thegame.com. And uh, we are coming in with our second episode, man. Back-to-back weeks, we are actually doing this thing. We're doing this thing, Judah. It's crazy. We've been waiting for it for a while. Episode one was a success. We'll get to our bets in a little bit here. It wasn't quite a success. It was the, a rousing success. Is it? We went perfect. <laughs> we went perfect. Almost. Perfect. Undefeated. Yeah. Well, college and NFL, I mean, two different stories this weekend. You crushed it in the NFL. Uh, college, rough start on Friday night. Oh, my gosh. So, Friday, we recorded our first episode Friday. We went through all the top college football games that we liked on the board. And then we saw Friday night. Oh. Maryland, Penn State. And we're thinking Penn State, first road game for the quarterback. Maryland, we know their offense has been on fire. It just all seemed to make sense. A Friday night spot for Penn State coming after an emotional game against Pitt. They had a bye week to get ready, but it seemed like a potential flat spot for James Franklin. We could not have been more wrong about that, Zach. Sometimes you got to wear one. You win some, you lose some, Judah. And, you know, Penn State was coming in there with a freshman quarterback. We knew that Maryland had canceled their classes for the afternoon. It was going to be a blackout game. You know, the student body was going to be very hydrated for that one. It was going to be loud. And Maryland just went out there and they laid an egg. Yeah, and Penn State kicked their butt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm watching that game. It's 14-0 early, and I'm thinking, okay, I've already lost money on Maryland. I just know this isn't going to be good. But that's okay, because I trust Cal. I trust Justin Wilcox. I trust those guys in that moment, in that opportunity against Arizona State. What happens? Garbers gets hurt. I'm chasing, man. I played like three different plays on not even the spread, the Cal money line (laughs) to chase the Maryland loss. And, of course, Garbers gets hurt. Mostert comes in. They have a long field goal to go up 17-14. And then ASU comes down, and they finish the much better team in the fourth quarter, and they win the game outright, and I lose a bunch of money Friday night. Oh, man. And, you know, I thought I was going to be a smart guy. I went ahead, and, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to take Maryland, but I'm going to take an an alternate line. I'm going to go 10.5. No way they lose by double digits. Well, we know what happened there. I parlayed that with Cal plus 3.5, but as soon as that Maryland game was out of the way, I was like, oh, well, I'll double down on Cal. It's not like they're going to lose this one. They're undefeated, you know, emotionally. Um, I talked about this in my uh, in my betting recap this week. Uh, you can find that at 750thegame.com. Go to Bet the Game tab there, and you can look at um, my three what, – what was it called? Your, your takeaways My three weekend, takeaways. Right? Yeah. I don't know yeah. why I'm forgetting the, the name there, but three takeaways. <laughs> you wrote it, right? I know. I wrote it. Or did I write it? Is it a ghostwriter? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the three takeaways hey, don't from give the... up all our secrets already. <laughs> it's just episode two. It's just like Drake. We have a couple ghostwriters in yeah. the building here. I just tell them what I want. They they write it up. And... It's Halloween season. Yep, yep. Ghostwriter season. Right. So my takeaways from the weekend, Judah. And, and I wrote about it, and I said, you know, never, ever doubt ASU on the road as a dog. I've 
I've seen it too many times. They went on the road this year at Michigan State, pulled it off. They went on the road here against Cal. Now, it doesn't it doesn't help us, Judah, when Chase Garbers, the starting quarterback for Cal, goes down. Uh, and Cal, after that, their offense just couldn't do anything at all. No, it didn't really. And Moster, the backup, he is not capable of leading any type of effective offense. They were already limited in the passing game, now even more so, and now they're in a tough position. Saturday, I tried to bounce back. I made a couple plays. The over on the total of Ohio State-Nebraska, that didn't work out. What mm-hmm. the hell happened in Nebraska's offense? My gosh. Uh, thank you to you for handing me Baylor uh, plus the three at home to Iowa yeah. State. They win that outright on a late field goal, so that was mm-hmm. good. That won a little bit back. And uh, Washington, I laid the two touchdowns, or the 10.5, I think, with USC. They win 28-14, to 14, so it got a little bit back on Saturday. How'd you do? Yeah, yeah. So after the Cal loss, you know, I was very heartbroken. I, I too, chased with Cal, took the money line there. Uh, they went down the field first drive of the second half, and it was looking good. Went up by a touchdown, but we know how that ended. And then Saturday morning, I was looking at the slate. I liked a couple Saturday early games. One of them was Oklahoma minus 27 against Texas Tech. I didn't, tw- I didn't really like talk about that on the show uh, last week at all, but I did tweet it out at Zach Schlegel on Twitter. I'm posting my, my picks every week for college football and kind of tracking that uh, little experiment for myself. But I saw Texas Tech. Uh, what they did against Arizona, or, or what they didn't do against Arizona, only put up 14 points in that one. So I thought to myself, well, Oklahoma's rolling. Jalen Hurts looks like the Heisman frontrunner to me right now. And Oklahoma went on and rolled and covered that 27 spread. Baylor as well, I was on that. Now, Matt Rule, he's got a contract extension after that game. What do you know? Through 2017. So... 2027, you mean? Uh, sorry, 2027. <laughs> I'm going back in time. Yeah, 2027. That's serious right there. I mean, that's almost a decade. Yeah, um, that's they believe kinda, in that guy. They believe in him. Uh, they pulled it off. I went against my man, Matt Campbell, and that worked out. And then you also mentioned Washington minus 10 and a half there. They shut the back door closed on USC with a nice interception late in the fourth quarter there to seal that one. Yeah, and then Sunday rolls around, and, you know, looking at the NFL slate, I knew that I liked my best bets. You affirmed that on the show last week, saying yeah. I like your best bets, Judah. That made me feel better. Yeah, yeah. But it still is a little bit of an odd feeling. You know, my bankroll's a little thin after all the Friday mm-hmm. night nightmare, and uh, now I'm finding myself backing New England, which is great money line, which is also thankful for me. It was the money line, not the spread of seven and a half that, that they did not cover, but just a win at Buffalo. But I, I went in, I drove in boldly with the Tennessee feel, and uh, they were able to. Cover not only plus three and a half, which I played Saturday night, but also the money line. Winning outright with some good value uh, in Atlanta over the Falcons, uh, which was one of the best bets I I had last week. So that's always a good feeling. You're making up a little bit. Yeah. And Sunday kind of affirms some of your lanes. Yeah. And before I I get into Sunday a little bit about my picks here, I just wanted to uh, go back to Saturday night real quick here because I know we talked about the Washington State game against Utah. We also talked about Arizona hosting UCLA, and I just want to talk a little bit about my heartbreak there because the day did not end well for me on Saturday. Oh. Um, I was you know, I was on Washington State plus six there. Gordon, after going for nine touchdowns and a loss the previous week, he throws one touchdown and two picks in a 38-13 to loss at Utah. Tried to take the over there as well in 57. That failed me. Washington State's offense couldn't do anything. And then finally, the nightcap. Arizona doesn't help when Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor uh, decide to not play in the game. So I guess their injuries are a little bit more serious than we thought against Texas Tech. Arizona 
had a chance there to cover at the end of the game on a long touchdown. It was called back. I was oh, absolutely, right. oh, my God. Brutal. Do you remember that? Brutal. Oh, it was a long, uh, I don't know if it was a run or a pass, but it would have made it, uh, I believe it would have made it 27-17, to 17, would have covered that touchdown there. And then UCLA goes down, has a chance to kick a field goal to put it into overtime. And at that point, I was hoping, I was like, make the field goal go into overtime. Maybe we could still cover the six. Um, in in uh, in overtime, but of course they didn't. And then on to the NFL, Judah, like you just mentioned, I loved your NFL picks this weekend, and well, it showed. You went three and zero. I went one and two. I've had better weeks, but you know, like we talked about before, we're gonna have some great weeks. We're gonna have some bad weeks, and you know, hopefully at the end of the day, we win more than we lose. That's right. And now we're a combined. Let's see. Now we're sixteen and eight. I believe yes. combined to date through four weeks. Right, right. So another four and two week for us combined. Yeah. You know, when I'm down, you lift me up, yeah. vice versa. Well, I hope I hope you got good uh, feels for week five. Now we mm-hmm. have to record this early, Zach. You're going out of town. I am. Got to chill with the fam. Right. Make some wedding plans. Wedding season. That's what it's all about, right there. In mm-hmm. fact, it's funny because it was this weekend in 2017. I had a wedding out in New York. That oh, really? I, I went to. Yeah. So okay. I was just because uh, I was the last time. And we'll get to this in a moment, but that was the last time the Seahawks beat the Rams was in L.A. October 2017, Week 5. Now they're playing the Rams Thursday night, Week 5, and we'll get to that game uh, coming up momentarily. But I remember following that game while I was at my buddy's wedding up in uh, Rochester. Shout out Upstate. Rochester, that's where my mom's from. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she grew up in Upstate New York. That's right, yeah. Throwing down some of those... uh, what do they call those big? Oh, garbage plates. Yeah, <laughs> huge plates of like greasy fries. Oh Woo. man, yummy, yummy. That was a weekend to remember. Get your tums. <laughs> I did, man. <laughs> I had to throw it down. All right, here we go. College football week six. We'll run down first the games of note in the state of Oregon. Where the who are the Ducks playing? Who are the Beavers playing? This is sports betting with an Oregon lean here, powered by 750 the game. So we'll of course make those primary. Then we'll go to the rest of the Pac-12. And the top 25. We'll have to make this quick. We'll make it tight, but it's hashtag content. Cal at number 13, Oregon, 5 o'clock on Fox. This line opened, Oregon laying 14 at home. And it's since been bet up to Oregon 18-point favorites with a point total of 46 and a half. Mm-hmm. We already talked about Cal and how kind of bad they look and really mediocre, below average offensively with Mostert as opposed to Garber's. We know how elite Oregon's defense has been as well. They haven't let up a touchdown since Auburn, week one of the season. Now they're back at home after a bye week against a Cal team that's banged up and injured. You have Justin Wilcox returning to his alma mater where he played so well in uh, the early 90s for the Oregon Ducks. His teams are always going to be tough, but I think right now they're just so limited in terms of talent and personnel. They're up against a monster right now in the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, and uh, they are up against a, a monster in the Oregon Ducks, but Modster on Cal is hardly a monster. Oh, look La- at that. You're a freaking pro. Freaking La- pro. Last week, Modster went 5 of 14, 23 yards, and a pick. Uh, that's that's not going to do it for Cal. And uh, they're going to be in trouble here on the road at Oregon. Oregon coming off the bye, as we mentioned. And Oregon also getting a couple offensive stars back in the lineup well I'd say one of them is a potential star and one of them is a a good football player Uh, I know Judah you're not like super high on Brendan Schooler but he's he's a ball player and we we could use him back because we are a little bit thin at wide receiver but he's another guy with experience Mm -hmm. that can make some plays absolutely you know is he a go-to guy no but he can make some plays every now and then it's always nice to have depth and he adds he adds depth 
Always. And Micah Pittman, we're really excited to see what this kid can do. Uh, we know how talented he is. We're going to see how this uh, really helps the Oregon offense. I mean, so far, so good. Oregon's been doing their thing. We know their defense has been great. And this is a chance, again, to really show out and have another great defensive performance going up against Cal uh, without Chase Garbers here. Oregon has won nine of the last 10 meetings head-to-head against Cal. So Oregon has really had their number. The last game in which Cal did beat Oregon was back in 2016. Cal won that one 52-49. to Absolutely no defense in that one. And that it's was f- a Friday night game. Yeah. It was Justin Herbert's first true start. He mm-hmm. threw the, uh, I think he threw six touchdowns. And uh, also threw the pick to uh, number 59 over the middle. Oh, man. Mike Bellotti was on the call of that game. I remember yeah. interviewing him that day as a pregame lead up. And that was, you know, take the over. I think the over was, the total was like at 90 in that game. And I oh, was like, my God. Go over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's that's the difference is you go back three or four years ago, Cal and Oregon didn't really have much of a defense. Now it's it's complete opposite. Oregon and Cal, you know, two of the best defenses in the Pac 12. And we're looking at a total of, 47 in in this game um i believe or sorry 46 and a half it opened at 47 so it's already ticking down um you know a couple years ago we'd be seeing 70s on that total so Mm -hmm. uh, but 18 points i mean that's that's a lot of points in a pac-12 conference game and i know cal is limited without their starting quarterback i know oregon's defense has been great Um, i guess i would still lean on oregon to cover this spread uh, just because of Cal being limited on the offensive side of the ball without Chase Garbers. I mean, they just absolutely look anemic on offense. I don't know how they're going to move the ball at all. And Oregon really has a chance, again, to you know keep an opponent out of the end zone. And I want to knock on wood here because I don't want to ruin it, Judah. Um, but so far, so good there. What are, what are you thinking in this game? Gosh, the total just seems too high for this. I mean, we know Oregon... And maybe the Michael Pittman thing opens up the passing game a little bit, but I, I don't know if I'm going to rely on a true freshman playing his first college football game to really let me affect the total. But I look at what Cal is able or not able to do offensively. And Stanford is bad defensively right now. And Oregon only put up 21. Um, and we know the struggles of the run game. I think Cal, knowing that they've got a backup quarterback, they're going to be packing some intense defense with them. Yeah. I think Justin Wilcox, I mean, his post-game comments were really telling at the end of the game with Arizona State. I mean, he was pretty disappointed with his team despite the injury at quarterback. I don't know. I think the under 46.5 is the play here. I'd probably take the under, and I don't know. I'm probably leaving the point total alone unless yeah. it gets up to 19 or 20 yeah. and maybe thinking about Cal. I just don't think Oregon's offense will run away with this game. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think they they will. But So I'd probably go under 46.5. Gotcha. Uh, Oregon State at UCLA, 6 o'clock Saturday night. This opened Bruins minus 6.5 with a total at 68. Since then, money's coming down on the Beavers. UCLA now down to 6 or 5.5 point favorites, so that line moving by about a half a point or a point in some places. The total has dropped a couple points as well, down to 66. Uh, the Beavers got Stanford at Reeser last week. They had the backup quarterback, and Oregon State had a chance to win that game. They did not. They lose 31-28. UCLA hangs in there tough. We, again, were fading UCLA last week, thinking Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor would play at Arizona. Mm-hmm. They did not. UCLA still covered the plus 6.5 pretty easily uh, and had a chance to tie the game, missed the field goal. So now they're coming back home for the first time in a few weeks now, taking on the Beavers, Zach. It seems like a place where, hey, if you're Oregon State, chance to steal a win, 
but we also thought that last week right. at home to Stanford. So, but we're seeing money coming on the beefs too. Yeah, and the Beavs, you're right. Last week against Stanford, they really had a nice chance there to steal a victory in the Pac-12. Down 21 nothing, Great little comeback there. Uh, they tied it up 28-all in the final minute of play there, but gave up that long kickoff return that set Stanford up uh, to put them in position to win on a game-winning field goal. An absolute heartbreaker there. And now Oregon State is going into Pasadena. And the last time the Beavers beat UCLA on the road was... 2012, that was back in the Mike Riley, Jim Mora Jr. era. Uh, So UCLA has won the last two meetings. Uh, This spread, you know, as you mentioned, it opened UCLA six and a half. It's now down to six. So some money coming in on the Beavs here. The total also ticking down from 68 to 65 and a half in this one. And Oregon State, low key, a little covering machine there, Judah. I mean, they're not necessarily winning, but they're three and one against the spread so far. Uh looks like uh looks like UCLA uh coming off that Arizona loss. I mean, who who knows what we're gonna get from them, honestly, going on the road to Arizona. They 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 go ahead on the road, back to back games at Washington State, pull off the crazy win, go to Arizona, almost pull that one off. Now they're back at home. I don't really have a great feel for this game, to be honest with you, Judah. I feel like, yeah, that total is really high. I'm not surprised by the fact that it ticked down to 65 and a half. I think I would have to lean on the under in that one. I just think that's a lot of points uh, for two teams who really, I mean, their offenses haven't really been clicking, I'd say. I think Oregon State may have the better offense when you're looking at the two. Yeah. Arizona at Colorado, 130 on the Pac-12 Network. This line opened Colorado minus three, and it's since been rising up Colorado now four or four and a half in some places with a total now that's dropped three points since it opened at 66 and a half, now at 63 and a half. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's hosting the Wildcats. Uh, still awaiting status updates on Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor. That no doubt plays a role in what side you like in this game. Colorado coming off a bye week. They beat Arizona State on the road a couple of weeks ago, and that was sandwiched between two big Arizona State road wins as road dogs at Michigan State and Cal. So that's pretty impressive. And they did a lot of that without Chenault. He was hurt late in that game, and uh, Montez was able to you know, overcome his absence. I don't know. Maybe there's a chance Colorado's an actual pretty good football team in Mel Tucker's first yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, opening at opening at three and then moving to four. I mean, that speaks uh, that speaks to the fact that J.J. Taylor and Khalil Tate are still uncertain for this game. Also, uh, that total ticking down that also speaks to that. Um, Arizona six and two head to head against Colorado since the buffs entered the conference. And an interesting little little tidbit here, Judah, is the fact that uh, Colorado in the last two in the last two meetings have had two different head coaches well, not necessarily. It was it was McIntyre two years ago, and then McIntyre gets let go, and then in his place is interim head coach Kurt Roper, who I think you said now is with NC State, right, the quarterback's coach? He is, yeah. So now you got Mel Tucker in there at head coach, so it's basically the third coach in a row that uh, Arizona is seeing against Colorado. I think we I, we obviously have to just wait and see what happens with J.J. Taylor and Khalil Tate in this game. This is definitely not a game that I'm, I'm running to the counter to bet. <laughs> Later on in the night, this is interesting. 15th ranked Washington on the farm at Stanford, 7.30 on ESPN. The line opened Washington minus 13. And since then, Huskies been bet up to 16.5 point favorites. 
And the total has gone from 48 and a half, now currently sitting at 52. Can the Huskies cover 16 and a half on the road with Jacob Eason and company? We just saw them cover 10 and a half at home against USC. We saw them cover a touchdown on the road in Provo against BYU the week before that. We saw them cover against Hawaii as big favorites at home before that. And that was coming after the Cal loss at home in that weird, bizarre Saturday night game with the weather and the thunderstorms. Can Washington cover four weeks in a row laying that big a number? It's going to be tough, Judah. Now, here's the thing. The all-time series between these two teams, 43 and 42 in favor of Washington. So, I mean, Stanford's got to knot this up, right? Yeah, 43 yeah. and 43. I'm I sure mean... they have that on the whiteboard in the <laughs> locker room right now. Guys, guys, we got to get to 43 and 43 versus Washington. <laughs> no, uh, no Costello again. Cardinals sticking with Davis Mills there at quarterback, who has done fairly well so far for them. Now, here's the big stat for you, Judah. Stanford, you, you know the last time uh, that Washington won at Stanford? You know when that was? 2007. Whoa. That was Ty Willingham and Jim Harbaugh era. Wow. So Stanford has won the last five in a row against the Huskies when they're at home. Uh, And four of those five have been by eight points or more. So Stanford, I mean, I know Stanford isn't the Stanford we're used to seeing. I know Stanford's defense isn't quite there. I know they're without Costello. But the more and more this line moves, you know, up towards 17, 17 and a half, the more and more I like taking the points with Stanford just because I know how Stanford really comes together at home. It's David Shaw. And I think they have a good chance to cover this game just looking at recent history. Yeah, and just thinking out loud about how they've done against the spread. They they barely covered versus Northwestern week one. I know they didn't cover against USC week two or at UCF week three. Or against Oregon, you know, in week four. Or against Oregon State. I mean, if you got the hook with three and a half, um, you know, they don't cover that either with the backup quarterback. It's hard for me to imagine that David Shaw goes like, you know, one for eight in a season against the spread. You know, at some point, David Shaw is going to come back and and make that a better number. That might, he might get one against the spread this week. You know, he's, he's David Shaw. It's David Shaw. I mean, you, you can't uh, you, know, you can't doubt David Shaw, especially like you said. I mean, things regress to the mean. If they're doing this bad against the spread so far, you got to imagine that it's going to come back to earth here. It's it gonna... wasn't Stanford the team that we had that stat on earlier when coming after a loss, they covered the spread 70% of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that uh, that didn't really work out against UCF, right? And now it hasn't worked out in like four straight weeks. I know, I know. So at some point, doesn't that 70% come into play? I right, mean, right. <laughs> am I really going to talk myself into laying Stanford here? Yeah. Uh, but maybe, man. Maybe. Do you maybe. have a lean? You like Cardinal here? Yeah. 16 and a half? I guess at this point right now, Jude, on Wednesday, I would definitely lean Stanford taking the points here. And the more and more that, that total or the more and more that spread goes up the more and more I like Stanford. All right. Well, that's the Pac-12. Let's move on now quickly to the top 25 matchups of note. 14th ranked Iowa in the big house with 19th ranked Michigan. A 9 o'clock kick out here on the West Coast. Uh, looks like Michigan opened a 7-point favorite at home, Zach. And immediately, here came the Iowa money. It's down to 3.5. The Wolverines wow. are still favored. And the total, though, has kind of stayed put. 47 mm-hmm. it opened. Now it's up to 47.5. But that tells you, man, people are either big-time fading Jim Harbaugh, which I don't, you know, hold it against him, 
Or they also believe just matchup-wise, Iowa has what it takes to keep this thing close. Iowa's always a tough team there in the Big Ten. Kirk Ferentz, I mean, he's had Michigan's number. If you look back, Iowa's won five of the last six head-to-head against Michigan. Uh, last time they played, Iowa won 14-13 in 2016 in Iowa. Um, this one at, at the Big House in Michigan. We know Jim Harbaugh is in a situation where he can't afford to lose another game. In fact, he, he might not even be able to afford a loss to Ohio State or he could be uh, getting the boot. So we know they're going to be prepared. We know Michigan isn't going to be asleep at the wheel for this game. Uh, but this is this just screams a low-scoring game to me. This screams first half under to me. Uh, and now that this line is down to three and a half, it's probably too short of a number for me to have a strong lean in this game at seven. I would definitely be looking at Iowa. Um, and, and I just really can't trust Michigan based on what I've seen so far. I wonder what that first half total is. I'm going to try to look that up, mm-hmm. you know, as as we talk and see if there is a uh, a decent play to make. As I do that, let's go on to the other one. Yep. Seventh-ranked Auburn in the swamp at 10th-ranked Florida. We know Florida has got Kyle Trask, their second-string quarterback in for the injured Felipe Franks. Auburn just keeps on impressing, keeps on covering the spread. Yeah, yeah. Impressively so, including winning outright at Kyle Field a couple of weeks ago with AM. 12:30 kick on CBS. This line opened to pick them and have since seen money coming in on Gus Malzahn's Tigers. Auburn minus two and a half or three in some places with a total at 48 and a half. So people like Auburn in the matchup despite it being on the road. Yeah, um, Gus Malzahn, coming into the season, I was really thinking Gus Malzahn, he's on the hot seat. I mean, the fact is he was on the hot seat going into the season, but now. I mean, if he's not careful, he might sign a an extension for five or seven years. <laughs> so, so Auburn looking really, really good so far. And you know, as an Oregon Ducks fan, as an Oregon Ducks uh, alumni, I you know this is a perfect scenario for the Ducks. Auburn beat them in the opener, and now Auburn is crushing it. Not only winning games, but they're covering the spread. They're number seven in the country. And as long as they keep on winning, it looks really good for the Ducks. But we talked about this off-air, Judah. I think the best-case scenario for, for us as uh, you know Ducks backers over here would be seeing Auburn maybe losing a real tight one to Florida on the road here, one where maybe they... They miss an extra point, some fluke play or something like that, where it's like, yeah, you know, they played better and they should have won the game, but they didn't. Uh, Because obviously if Auburn runs the table and goes all the way uh, to that Alabama game, no matter what, even a lost Alabama, they'd be ahead of Oregon. Right. In in this specific matchup, I don't really know what we're getting from Florida. Florida hasn't really had, I don't know, they haven't played anyone. I mean, Miami, I thought, was a decent football team in week one, but turns out they're not. Uh, they're nowhere to be found. They've fallen off the face of the earth. And so I'm just not really sure. I think I think that's the struggle with this game for me is I'm really not sure what we're getting out of Florida. The fact that they're at home, uh, I think it's dangerous for Auburn. But Auburn, again, has been just covering like a machine. They're 5-0 and against the spread. And, and maybe you think, okay, maybe this is the moment where Auburn starts regressing to the mean. Maybe this is the one where they lose on the road. But again, no Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask in there. He's completed 77% of his passes, five touchdowns, a couple picks. Um, pretty decent performance so far. Yeah, and he's not a he's not a run threat. And mm-hmm. I think I was just reading, Auburn's faced a lot of running quarterbacks since they played Justin Herbert. 
Um, I know Toledo, right? They they can run the ball or uh, Tulane. I'm sorry, Tulane. They can you know run the ball with uh, with their guy a little bit, uh, as well as obviously A and M uh, with Pont with Mond. So I think Auburn actually likes the fact that they can kind of gear up and rush the passer in the pocket right. as opposed to like trying to account to contain for any scramblers. Right. So that's good for a matchup for that Auburn D line, which is nasty. Nasty. Uh, that secondary for Auburn's really played well too. I kind of like the Tigers here certainly to win the game. But you mentioned something interesting just to note. If you want Oregon to rise up the eye, if, if you assume that Oregon can win the table, big assumption, obviously. But if they can run the table, win the North, win the Pac-12 title, go in with one loss on an 11-game win streak yep. into the postseason. You want Auburn to look as good as possible but also be below the Ducks. Exactly. And to do that, I think, here, here's Auburn's schedule. You lose at Florida by, like you know, like you were mentioning Close game, but you come back and you you have to upset LSU on the road, October 26th, and then you lose to Bama. So now you're talking about a two-loss Auburn team, so you're mm-hmm. below Oregon, mm-hmm. but you know they lose at Florida and they lose to Bama, mm-hmm. and they're out of the SEC championship game. Right. But they beat LSU on the right. road. But they beat AM on the road. Right. You know, so it's really this Florida LSU, these those two road games this weekend and October twenty sixth. If they can win one and lose one, I think that's what you're wanting for for a you know a duck fan. So Auburn keeps looking cool, mm-hmm. but they end up having a couple losses if they do lose the Iron Bowl. And, as well. and and most likely Auburn goes and loses to LSU, you know, between the two. LSU is a very, very dangerous team. And, jo- and, and they got Georgia at home November sixteenth. Oh man, that's rough. And that's a rivalry game. Yep. You know? Yeah. Auburn, Georgia. Yep. So that'll be fun to uh, keep an eye on. A couple other ones. I think Michigan State, Ohio State. 20-point spread. Yeah. I know D'Antonio's done you wrong so many Mm -hmm. times. Do you think about the 20 (laughs) with Sparty against the Buckeyes? Oh, man. I really shouldn't. I really shouldn't. Michigan, it's just they're one of those teams where in the games where they should obviously win and cover, they don't. And in the games where they should obviously lose and get blown out, they don't. And, And Michigan State in, you know, in the last like 10 years or so, uh, since 2011, actually, they've beaten the Buckeyes three times. So that's the most out of any other Big Ten team to beat the Buckeyes. So Michigan State, they do kind of have Ohio State's number per se. There's not even a money line available for this game or else I might even. It, it's one of those where I'm not going to go big on the spread because Michigan State's done me so wrong. But it may be one of those where I take a chance on, you know, a small play on the money line and, you know, just try to get rich this weekend, Judah. You might as well. Hey, aren't we all? <laughs> right. Aren't we all? And I saw this was interesting, too, Zach. You mentioned this to me off air, but first weekend of October, mm-hmm. you know, let's not discount the fact. We're starting to get pretty decent sample sizes on teams now. Right. October's a big-time opportunity month. And historically, this first weekend of October has spelled trouble for some teams ranked in the top 15 that got off to really good starts, but they might have a slide against an unranked opponent. What was that stat you read to me? Yeah, so Chris Felica, the Bear, he tweeted this out. I love um, the Bear, by the way. Love the Bear. Shout out, Bear. Love that. And they they got a great pod as well, him and Stanford Steve. Go ahead. Yeah, he said, quote, each of the last five years, a top 15 team, nine total, six top 10 teams, have lost to a non-ranked team in the first week of October. And looking at the top 15 teams this week, 
who are going up against unranked teams. Maybe we can kind of narrow this down and figure out one or two games that might be on upset alert here. We have LSU against, uh, or I guess home against Utah State. Probably not that one. <laughs> Oklahoma at Kansas. It's interesting. I mean, it's less miles, and Kansas has been kind of, they've shown some flashes of, uh, like, oh, man, they, they might have a football team. And then they've also been kind of, okay, it's just typical Kansas. And Oklahoma's rolling right now, so I'd probably say probably not that one. Uh, number eight, Wisconsin against Kent State. Forget it. Penn State, we know they just rolled over Maryland. They're hosting Purdue. But Purdue, without Sindelar, without Rondale Moore, I don't like it there. Notre Dame, Bowling Green, forget it. That'd be the upset of a lifetime. But here's two games that, I mean, kind of fit the mold, Judah. Texas, number 11, at West Virginia. And this is only an 11-point spread. And we know Big 12 games, usually not a lot of defense. I mean, unless it's Iowa State. Usually a lot of scoring, and in particular, West Virginia usually puts up a lot of points, and we know Texas can as well. I see this as a high-scoring game, and I usually tend to uh, go with the team that's getting the points in a shootout, right? I always say take the points in a shootout because it's usually back and forth. I'm not necessarily going to say this is a shootout, but I think 11 is too many points. I think West Virginia, I'd have to lean on taking the points there, and I think Texas is on upset alert in that one. Uh, The other game that I would say kind of fits the mold is Washington at Stanford. We talked about it before. The last time that Washington beat Stanford uh, at the farm was back in uh, uh, 2007. 2007, Wow, incredible. I would, uh, you know, also possible look ahead for Texas. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oklahoma, that's right. They have the Red River. Red Red River, that thing. They have the Red River rivalry against Oklahoma the following week. Yep. So big, big look-ahead situation there. I think of all of those, definitely West Virginia, Texas. What if you did a little upset money line parlay mm, with I West like Virginia, it. Stanford? You know, you risk something soft, see if you can capitalize. Something That's to think about? Definitely something to think about. This is one of those weekends, Judo, where, you know, why not put five, ten bucks on there? I think West Virginia has a chance to win the game. I think Stanford, based on history— I wouldn't be super shocked if they went and pulled that one off. David Shaw at home. Uh, And then the other one is Michigan State, Ohio State. You take three of those games. If you can find a money line on the Spartans, if you can put those three games together, I guarantee you that's like a a $10 to win $500 plus or something like that. So, worth it. Those are our college football leans here early in the week. Let's move on to the NFL, shall we? Let's go. It's early. It's Wednesday. So injuries and lines still being shaken out a little bit. We might not have any best bets on the record for the podcast this week. We promise we'll do that on the other side next week going into the weekend. But be sure to follow at 750 The Game on Twitter and Instagram, at Zach Schlegel, at Jude Anubi. We'll both post our best bets going into the weekend later on. So they might not be on the pod, but be sure to follow us on the socials to follow along. The reason I say that is because we're not that bad, y'all. I mean, no. 16 and 8. Pretty, yeah. Wait. Yeah, yeah. 16 and 8. That's pretty good. That's professional level right there, Judah. I take it, man. But I don't want to speak too soon. No, no. Where's that wood? <laughs> Where's the wood? Where's that wood? Oh. Um, But going in, let's start, though, with the Thursday night game because this is pretty interesting and it's got regional relevance as well with the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Los Angeles Rams on Thursday night football. I've seen Thursday Night Football pretty well the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, I played Jaguars money line as a short home dog and won that against Tennessee. And I played Packers first quarter half point against Philly. I should have probably parlayed it or at least, you know, tried to hedge or something with the Philly money line because that was the, that was the play, obviously. Yep. But Packers get off to a fast start and they cover the half point. So I feel like I'm seeing this one pretty clearly as well, Zach. But 520 on Fox, this line opened L.A. minus one and a half. And immediately swung through zero to the other side. Yep. We got Seattle favored by one or one and a half in some places with a total of 49. Where do you start to break this one down? Yeah, that's a classic flip favorite right there, Judah. And that's one of the things I always look at every week. I look at flip favorites. Uh, it's pretty telling right there. Seahawks here at home. The Rams, we know Jared Goff isn't the best on the road. And in fact, I have, I have some numbers here to back that looking back at 2018. Jared Goff at home in the 2018 season. 68% completion, 22 touchdowns, and just three interceptions. Jared Goff on the road in 2018, 60.9% completion, 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So big difference there. We know Seattle's home field advantage, 12th man. Uh, they come to play. And Seattle, they were my pick to win the NFC West this season. Even though, And this is coming from a 49ers fan. Were they really? They were. Wow. They were. It's documented. It's documented. I knew we could get along. <laughs> even yeah, even though I'm a Niners fan and Judah over here is a Seahawks fan, I did not get pick along. the Seahawks to win the NFC West. Who'd you pick? L.A. L.A. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but the Seahawks here, they have some numbers to back them as well at home. Seahawks 33 and 24. That's 58 percent against the spread as a home favorite since 2010. They're 48 and 11, 81 percent straight up at home uh, as a favorite since 2010. And 47 and 31, that's 60% against the spread as a home at home overall since 2010. So looks like the trends are in favor of Seattle. Jared Goff looking at, you know, comparing him at home to how he performs on the road, looking good for Seattle as well. And I just think Seattle is the is not I'm not gonna say Seattle is the more talented team, but I think I've seen the NFC West play enough to know that you, it's not smart to fade the Seahawks at home, especially in, with a small number like this. In prime time. In prime time. Pete does a great job getting the guys ready for prime time. Yep. Um, you know, I, I want to dig into the stats and the matchups a little bit more later in the week, but yeah. I'm also looking at this. The Seahawks have not beaten the Rams since week five, two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and I remember, you know, that win, that's obviously a way different looking Seahawks team. Yeah. I still had Cam Sherman Earl, um, but, you know, it was a really solid team. Legion of Boom. Legion of Boom. That's long gone. Um, but they're still pretty solid defensively. The linebackers are the strength of that team with Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and Michael Kendricks. Secondary's coming along. They're playing a little bit better. You look at the Rams, you know, the offense didn't even look that great in Cleveland. Still got the win, but didn't cover on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago. The offense, yeah, they put up a ton of stats, but it's all in catch-up ball against Todd Bowles' defense with Tampa Bay, and they lose at home. You know, Goff, that was as hollow a 500-yard game as you can really imagine. I look at what the Seahawks have done historically on Thursday Night Football. They won last year versus the Packers, 27-24. That was a really great game, but a a real fantastic win that helped propel Seattle to make a playoff push. Mm -hmm. They win in Arizona the the year before that. They beat the Rams at home. A Jeff Fisher year, 2016. 
They beat the 49ers on the road 2015. You know, most of the time these are division games because you have to schedule teams that are familiar with each other game plan-wise on a short week. But, you know, last year they played the Packers and beat them. They've won on Thursday Night Football one, two, three, four, five, six years in a row. Wow, okay. And they are at home in this game. The irony is that most of those games, I think, looks like five of those six, Seattle was coming off a loss the previous Sunday and then game planning on a short week to play on Thursday night. Now they're coming off a win. The Rams are coming off a loss. I still think this is a fade spot for the Rams. This might be where the Rams hit their lowest point of the season, but looking at the matchups, they struggle on the offensive line. I know Gurley isn't who he was before. Right. Goff struggles on the road. I like how the Seattle linebackers are playing. I think Clowney is going to have a big impact in this game. You forget about what kind of matchup advantage he provides. The place is going to be rocking. It gives the defensive line a little bit more of an edge. I think there's a couple turnovers from Mr. Goff in this game, a strip sack and a tip ball that's picked off. I think Wilson hits a couple of big plays. Disley will have a nice day on as a tight end. I've got no problem fading the Seahawks when I need to. I'm on the Seahawks in this game. Yeah. I would look at Seattle on an adjusted line, minus four and a half at wow. plus 170, and okay. I would lay that. I'm thinking this is a 31-20 type of game when it's all set and done. Okay. I am fading the Rams, and I love Sean McVay, but sometimes you got to fade the ones you love. Oh, that's that's e- rich wow, right there. that's a great quote right there. <laughs> you got me inspired over here. Got to fade the ones you love sometimes, <laughs> and I'm fading Sean McVay, and Ooh. I'm betting on the Seahawks for this third tonight. I'm excited. You got me pumped up now, Judah. Honestly, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm going to be in Philadelphia in my hotel room watching that one. I'm going to be really excited, and I'm going to cheer on the Seahawks in that one. What do you think about this total, though? It looks like it uh, ticked up from 48. Now it's 49. Is there going to be more than? Are there going to be seven touchdowns or less? Is there going to be less than seven touchdowns? More than seven touchdowns? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think if uh, well, you know, you think of how the game's going to play out. Wow, seven touchdowns? Yeah. No, four touchdowns, right? Seven times. Wait. Seven times seven. <sighs> Gosh, <laughs> I did not. I did not do well in math. <laughs> seven touchdowns in this seven. game. It sounds like a lot when you say it. it. Sounds like a lot. Here's the thing. I think Seattle does pretty well in the red zone. It's defensively, I mean, and offensively, to be honest. And Zerline has missed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I would I would probably play the under on the Rams point total in this game. Mm. That's what would my my play would be. Because coming off the you know, forty five points and losing, got mm-hmm. five hundred yards. I don't know what their their team total is. We'll look that up here in a moment, but I would probably play the Rams under their total. Yeah, because it, I think this is where Seattle's defense has the advantage. And they don't always mm-hmm. But I think they do this week. Yeah, you're getting creative over there, Judah. And and Josh, or sorry, not Josh. Um, Jared Goff. Uh, Jared <laughs> Jared Goff. Joff. Is, Joff, Joff. For sure. We call him Joff. So Jared Goff coming off a career high. I think it was 517 yards passing in that one. Another prop I look at. You mentioned he's probably going to throw a pick in this game. Look at that over. You know. 0.5 interceptions for him. Maybe even there's an alternative over one and a half interceptions. I mean, he threw three interceptions to the Bucks last week at home. So don't be surprised if he throws a couple on the road at Seattle. The other thing to look into when we're talking about this total here is weather in Seattle. And I know we're not really in the thick of winter yet, but I mean, it's already been getting cold here in Portland, Judah. It's it's rained a little bit, and you never know what's going to happen weather-wise. Yeah. And I remember when the Rams blew out the Seahawks a couple years ago in Seattle in a December game. Gurley ran for like 200. That's just not who he is anymore. No. 
So McVeigh has to rely on his screen game, a lot of Robert Woods and a lot of Cooper Cup. And I just think Seattle's linebackers are going to be up for the ta- challenge and their safeties will be up for the challenge. I think there will be some field goal opportunities and Zerline misses one. The Rams point total is at 23 and a half. I wish it was at 24. I would definitely take the under at 24. Yeah. But with the 23 and a half, I'm probably still taking the under. I think Seattle can hold them to 23 or less. But I, you know, the un- it's juiced on the over. So, you know, they're trying to get people to bet on the Rams. So I might wait till kick and see if I can get a better value there. Yep. All right. The rest of the games, uh, we're not going to make any best bets uh, this week on the pot, at least. But is there anything that catches your eye early? I mean, we had well, so many road teams and underdogs went outright last week. Mm-hmm. Do we regress to the mean a little bit and get back to some chalky guys in week five? Yeah, I was just going to say because there were eight underdogs that won straight up last week. And if you put 100 bucks on all eight of those underdogs to win, you would have won half a million dollars. So there you go. Um, <laughs> what were you guys thinking? Come on, guys. Just had half a mil. What are you doing? Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how the Steelers perform here against the Ravens at home. Uh, Steelers coming off that Monday night performance. They're going to be on a short week. Mason Rudolph, I mean, you know I like the guy. You know I'm high on Mason Rudolph. He was very efficient in in their Monday night football game, but a lot of his passes were pretty dinky-dunky, sort of Tom Brady-esque. I mean, he was barely throwing it five yards down the field, but he was completing like 85% or more of, of his passes. So pretty solid for him. Now that he's at home here against this Ravens defense, you know the Ravens are coming off that, that Browns loss. Uh, they, they're re- this is a very important game for the div- uh, division, Judah, because I think the Steelers go into this game and they know that coming off that win and seeing the Ravens lose, they're in a position where if they can pull this one off, they're right back in the race for the division. So I, that's a game that I'm just really uh, curious to see. What happens? The Steelers are three and a half point underdogs at home. Looks like some heavy juice on the Steelers there at three and a half. Uh, I'd probably, my initial lean would be leaning on the Steelers in this game. I think a lot of people are going to look for a bounce back for the Ravens, but I think even on a short week, I think the Steelers uh, understand how important this game for them is. Wow, that's interesting. I played the over on the total of Baltimore Cleveland last week, and uh, that was looking like it was going to go under. And then a bunch of scoring in the fourth quarter put it way over. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was set at 45, and Cleveland got to 40 points by themselves. Mm-hmm. But it was like 7-3 at halftime, pretty much. I mean, it's so weird. These NFL games are so dynamic. Yeah. And it's like, I even played the over on Steelers-Niners a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That's looking under for three and a half quarters, and then mm-hmm. touchdown, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You get the over... It's amazing how some of that works out. Like fourth quarter scoring plays a huge role. Oh, absolutely. Um, This is another game I'm looking at here. The Jaguars at the Panthers because we have Gardner Minshew. We know his story. And then we have Kyle Allen. And, I mean, talk about the NFL this year has been just unbelievable with quarterbacks going down. We're seeing guys who we thought would never get a chance to play. Uh, The Panthers offense looking pretty good uh, without Cam Newton. Um, I know they didn't put up a lot of points last week, but Kyle Allen is doing what he needs to do to win games, and we know Gardner Minshew is doing the same. So I think that's going to be a real fun game to watch. Low total at 41, another one that I'd probably look at the first half under as well. you have any thoughts on that game? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bet on the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. I think Kyle Allen, winning two road games is great. Mm -hmm. Ball security is a little bit of a concern. I love the Jaguars' pass rush. Even on the road, I think that will do okay. 
Um, so I'd probably lean Jags there. Honestly, one of the games I'm also looking at is Minnesota laying six at the Giants. Oh, yeah. This might be a little too bold, but I I went back and watched uh, the Daniel Jones games, except for this past Sunday. I still have to watch against Washington. He struggles big time with ball security. Mm. Uh, and he's just, you know, he's winning games. I think the, the perception around Daniel Jones is much more inflated than the reality. Now he's finally going up against a legit defense. I know Saquon's trying to come back, but I think he'll be limited regardless. I think Minnesota breaks through. I think Giants secondary is just bad. And, you know, Cousins and Thielen, this is the 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 seller of how far they can go in terms of their relationship. I think they hit a couple of big ones. I'd probably lay Minnesota first half, but I think I'll lay Minnesota minus six against the Giants on the road. I just I feel like that's the play. It's time to fade yeah. Danny Dimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, you're getting smart with this, Jude. I love that play. And now now that <laughs> now that you really listen to this guy for NFL picks, Jude is really, Jude is on it, dude. I, Episode two, I might go over. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it'll all come crashing down. Oh no, but we're we're making a good team here because you know it's just you. Once you bring these games up, you make a couple points. It kind of sparks something in my brain, and that right. makes perfect sense. Um, the Vikings, great defense, and and the Giants. Well, we know Daniel Jones has been doing his thing, but it is time to fade him. The other thing with this game is that the Vikings' passing offense is bottom of the NFL. I mean, Diggs and Thielen, I mean, this, like, it's almost like, man, imagine if they had a quarterback, right? Imagine if they actually had a guy who could throw the football. Who wasn't making $80 million. Yeah, oh, God. So, this seems like a get-right game for the Vikings. Uh, I I think you're completely right. First-half angle there. I think they cover the entire game spread as well. But I'm going to go with the Vikings this weekend, Jude. A great pick. Another one I was thinking of was, I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, but... India is catching 11 in Kansas City. Kansas City won but didn't cover last week. Yeah, I, I know. But, and Marlon Max banged up. There's there's too many injuries for me to play Indianapolis. But last week in a pick I picked the Raiders outright to win. You know, the Darius Leonard injury, the Malik Hooker injury, the T.Y. Hilton injury. I was like, hey, that's a fade spot for Indianapolis. You fade the ones you love. I love Frank Reich. I think this might be a get-right game. Not a get-right game. But a bet on game for the Colts. I think it's a little countercultural because everybody wants to come in on Casey. I'm not going to play it. It's not going to be one of my best bets. Too many health questions as well. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if Indy keeps that one close. Any lean on the Packers catching three and a half at Dallas only because it will be such a high profile game. Oh, man. Dallas. Well, we saw when they finally played a football team this past weekend, you know, at New Orleans. Uh, they they couldn't really do much on offense. You know, it it I guess Judah that Dallas going up against the 0-4, is it 0-4 Dolphins? Yeah. 0-4 Dolphins. Who else did they play? The uh the Skins o, on the, the road, Giants the, at home. The 0-4 Skins, uh the Giants, the Eli Manning Giants. I guess they didn't really prepare them too well for the Saints. Uh, as they lost 12 to 10 there. So I think I don't really like, I mean, I know there's been so much hype on Dallas, and then now this game is kind of getting people to question, okay, who really is Dallas? What's their identity? Um, and and I think I, there's too many question marks for me to lay three and a half with Dallas. The Packers are coming off of a loss uh, in a game where they felt they should have won. 
And getting three and a half with Aaron Rodgers, I think, is is enough to get me to bet on them. But I'm going to have to take a look at this one throughout the week and see because I'm just not sure at this point. New England laying 16 at Washington. Not sure I can play it. If I played anything, it would definitely be New England. Only because I think Tom Brady's going to come out much improved from his Buffalo effort. I think Buffalo defense is really damn good. Uh, Brady did not look so good for four quarters in that game. He might bounce back in a big way against the Washington defense. Oh, and, the, and Dwayne Haskins looked awful. And and you know I don't know what the Redskins are going to do with that situation right now, but he looked absolutely awful. He looked lost out there. I think you're right. This is a low total, 42 and a half. So I mean, it's it, it kind of it just it looks like a Patriots big time victory here. Um, the game that I want to talk about real quick here, Judah, is uh, my 49ers. I was going to say, do you have a lean on this Monday Night Football? Laying three and a half to the Browns. Yeah, and, and you know, here's the situation. The 49ers are coming off of a bye week, but not only that, they're coming off of a bye week, and now they play on Monday night football. So talk about rest, right? They've had about, they're going to have 15 days to prepare for Baker Mayfield and company. Um, they're at home Monday night. Yeah, I mean, call me a homer, but I'm definitely leaning on the 49ers in this game. The Browns are coming off of a tough divisional game at Baltimore in which they won the game, so maybe they're a little bit fat and happy there. This isn't a divisional game, so it's not as meaningful for them for the division. They're first in the division right now, so no matter what happens in this game, it doesn't affect their divisional standings. I like the 49ers to come out here and win this game, so yeah, I'm definitely leaning on minus 3.5 for the Niners. Yeah, and Cleveland going coast-to-coast. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, exactly. Third primetime game in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Might be a spot to fade them as well. All right, that's that's pretty much all the NFL games that are my eye. Yeah, yeah, no, same, same. All right, he's Zach Schlegel. I'm Judah Newby. Make sure to follow us on socials, hashtag bet the game, at Zach Schlegel, at Judah Newby, at 750 the game. We'll give out our NFL best bets later in the week. Zach, enjoy the wedding, man. Hey, appreciate it. I'll be out there in Philly uh, freezing my butt off. Yeah, what, <laughs> what's your game? You know, you go down... Uh, Hit hit the hit the wine bar a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, so, just casual. I feel yeah. like you're a pretty chill hang. I'm a pretty chill hang. You know, back in the college days, maybe not as much, but ever since then, when they called you Big Z, call me Big Z, right? <laughs> <laughs> in the fraternity, doing my thing. But yeah, no, it'll be a good time. My cousin's getting married. He's only two years older than me. Uh, his brother is two years younger than me, so I've always been sandwiched right in between them. Uh, we're probably gonna hit the town Friday night. The wedding is on Saturday, and should be a lot of fun. Nice, man. Well, there's a wrap for episode two. Bet the game on 750 the game, 750thegame.com. Be sure to follow us on all the socials, y'all. And we'll see you next week. Next week. With episode three. Keep up your winners.